Montana is talking here. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, great to have David Noble back in the house with us here on Montana Talks. We got, you know, I know he's probably got some woke updates of the week. I know I can always throw some woke updates in here as well. Let's see. Yeah, Mike Four. There we go. David, great to see you. Great to be here. I was listening to you guys talk about the Lloyd Austin thing, and I heard you and John Jackson talk about it. Some great points. I read this Wall Street Journal article last night, how Lloyd Austin's deputy ended up running the Pentagon from the beach in Puerto Rico. But the crazy thing that I, that, that I pulled out of this article that I hadn't heard mentioned before is that during these six days that Lloyd Austin was in the hospital and nobody knew, Joe Biden didn't know either. And so that was six days. But during those six days, the United States carried out a deadly drone strike against an Iranian-backed militia leader in Baghdad, and we issued an ultimatum to the uh, Yemen's Houthi rebel group to cease its attack on international shipping. I'm sitting here wondering, wait, shouldn't the president and the secretary of defense be working very, very closely together, hand in hand, especially when you're doing strikes and military strikes in the Middle East? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I'd like to hear like from a former secretary of defense or a former White House official. I mean, is this is this really how it works where the, the president and the secretary of defense can go a week in the middle of basically military action without even talking to each other and without even knowing each other are, are not yeah. there? No, that, that seems really, odd. That's a really good question because because do they need to make the actual decision or should they do defer to 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 lower levels to make some of these decisions? I one of the things I loved about Trump when he ran the uh, when when he had his folks running the Pentagon was that they deferred a lot of this decision making down to the lower level so that, you know, we didn't have to sit here and wait on Washington. Oh, let's wait for somebody in Washington to green light. No, make make the decisive action when it needs to be made. But that being said, somebody in both the White House and at the Pentagon still needs to be tracking the situation and what's going on. Right. Uh, even if they do. And, and, and so but but when you were taught when you were mentioned this, because it's a very great question that you raise. Uh, Michael Waltz, Congressman Michael Waltz out of Florida. He's a, a full bird colonel, Green Beret. He actually worked at the Pentagon uh, closely with a prior secretary of defense. And I, I should I, I had a soundbite from him earlier in the week that I didn't play, but I kind of want to go back and listen to it because he, he basically is saying how how this whole thing is just incompetence across the board uh, by the Biden administration and by the Pentagon as well. So I, want, I wonder, though, if at the time that he made that statement, if, if he knew that during those six days, Biden had no clue the secretary of defense was was out of pocket and that we were doing these military. I agree that ideally, if I'm the president and I, we're talking about striking the, the Houthis or issuing ultimatum to, to the Yemenis or striking Shiite militias in, in Iraq. You bet. I'm going to I'm going to defer that to the to the military on the ground and the other military leaders. But that's not what Biden's doing. I don't think Joe Biden has been holding back and saying, no, don't don't. That's right. Well, yeah, that's right. So the very limited things that they actually allowed the military do the tiny little things. Yeah, they were completely out of the pocket. But there's bigger responses that could have and should have been waged that wasn't. Well, these guys are all out of pocket. So, no, oh, that's a, that, that's an even uh, greater point there. All right, hold that thought. More with David Noble right after this. Securing America. The security of the U.S. southern border, or the lack thereof, was the focus of a House Homeland Security Committee hearing Wednesday to begin impeachment proceedings against Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. 
The chairman, Republican Mark Green of Tennessee, said over 8 million people have crossed the border during the Biden administration, including over 1.8 million known gotaways and an undetermined number of unknown gotaways, which has led to a crisis. Secretary Mayorkas is the architect of the devastation that we have witnessed for nearly three years. Green claims that the lack of security at the border is intentional, making impeachment reasonable and placing Mayorkas in this group. Those guilty of such gross incompetence that their conduct had endangered their fellow Americans, betrayed the public trust, or represented a neglect of duty. Mayorkas, who did not attend the hearing, has previously testified before Congress that the border is secure. Kevin Uretsky, Fox News. Here's a look at your real weather for Billings and Bozeman. Hey, skies stay cloudy today. We'll see some light snow and flurry activity at times as well, with accumulation staying light. Temperatures will, meanwhile, top off at around the lower to middle teens for highs. For tonight, looking at more light snow and flurry activity with an inch top to two inches in spots with low temperature readings back to around 10 to 14 below. More light snow continues on Friday. This is weatherology meteorologist Paul Trombley. Taking your calls live, 406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. All right, David Doble in with us. We'll, we'll definitely have to get to a woke update of the week for sure. But, yeah, uh, David, you know, we were chatting a little bit more during the, the news break here about the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin just being totally out of pocket. But it wasn't just him. I mean, Joe Biden is is always totally out of pocket, like what, 43 percent of the time he's on vacation. He's at the beach. Uh, his deputy. So here he is. He's in the hospital and his deputy is on a beach in Puerto Rico. And then the chief of staff, I guess, got sick. So the chief of staff is out of pocket. But but man, this whole story is just so crazy. But you you touched on something which I think is the 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 real big question, which is okay. I don't care if he's in charge or if the deputy's in charge or if the number three's in charge or if you have delegated authority down to the CENTCOM commander. But the fact – the big picture of what is not happening right now is we have American interests. We have commercial interests. We have American troops that have been under attack, that have been under assault across the Middle East. Commercial shipping traffic has been rerouted from the Red Sea. It's now having to go all the way south through the Cape by South Africa – and yet these guys are just all on vacation. <laughs> I know. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you. Can you can you go out of pocket for six or seven days and then just no nope, and not tell anybody and then not have anybody notice? No. And I bet a lot of our listeners couldn't just go be gone for. And I said. <laughs> I, I said during the break. It's like, look, yeah. uh, Mr. Austin, if if you've got cancer, I'm so sorry to hear that. I feel terrible for you. Please go to go oh, go totally. to the hospital. Get healthy. Yeah. Do what you need to do. But. There's processes in place. There's notification procedures that have to take place. And the question that I still don't have the answer to is, what was Mr. Austin thinking? Why did he not tell anybody? Is there something, what else is going on there? Is it just really bad judgment? And if it's just really bad judgment and he just thought, oh, no big deal type of thing, um, that's just bad judgment. And you sh he shouldn't be in that position as a result of bad judgment. Yeah. But, he, I mean, there, there's one other thing, too, which is... Um, Oh, I just lost my train of thought. Well, that's all right. So the the other thing that I uh, you and I were chatting about during the break is like, okay, so 
Yeah, again, look, look. If if he's being treated for for prostate cancer, like, hey, uh, God bless you. You know, best best wishes for a recovery. But um, but the, but they lied about this. The Pentagon spokesperson downplayed it. The, the the Democrat political appointee operatives at the Pentagon lied about this and downplayed it. They said, oh well. He got an elective surgery, and then there were complications, so he got rushed to the hospital. Well, okay, first off, he likely has a driver, a car and driver, that takes him wherever he goes. He has a security team. If he doesn't, he sure as heck better be because there's people that are in a lesser position than him that have a car driver and security details. So so they would have notified somebody so that the political appointee hacks at the Pentagon clearly dropped the ball or they're or they're lying here. But they because yeah, they, they made it sound like, well, you know, because, David, if it was just you or me and we're at home and we have and we have to go to the hospital like, OK, I I'm in the back of an ambulance. I'm probably not texting my friends and loved ones like I'm in the back. But but. It's not just he was sitting at home by himself and got sent to the hospital. His whole security team would have known. His driver would have known, and they would have reported it to somebody. It's just that's why. Oh, the Michael Waltz clip. Here's what Michael Michael Waltz had to say. I think he was on with Hannity on Monday or something. This is a, a Green Beret Fulbert colonel who worked at the Pentagon with a Secretary of Defense prior. We've got to get to the bottom of this, Sean. We're not going to let this go because this is, I think, just the tip of the iceberg of the incompetence that's in this White House and in this Pentagon, and we're all far more dangerous for it. David Noble, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, it raises the question. Did he order his driver to not tell anybody? Did, did, did Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin order people to keep this quiet? Because this isn't something, like, like you said, I mean, this would have naturally come out, you would have thought, and the comms people would have been involved and put out a press release, unless there was something intentional going on. And so when the congressman says, we got to get to the bottom of this, I think that's one of the things we got to figure out. Did Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin order this to be kept a secret? And if that's the case, that's got to be impeachable. I would assume if that's a direct violation of the processes that are in place. Well, I mean, you know, and and this and that pales in comparison to what Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas is doing on our southern border right now, with which is leading to this all-out invasion of America and Americans being killed by Mexican drug cartels. Uh, Tim and Billings has another uh, thought he wants to throw in on this. Tim, thanks for the call. Morning, gentlemen. Uh, actually, uh, what I was uh, calling about was Hunter Biden circus yesterday. Oh yeah. Um, the uh, I I have a different take on this. I I think that was completely an intimidation tactic put out by Hunter. That was him thumbing his nose at Congress and the media and everybody saying, "I'm Hunter Biden and I do what I want." I mean, that guy's sitting to his right. That guy's straight out of Central Casting from The Sopranos. I mean, I mean, he looks like he's ready to go break kneecaps and and collect collect you know be a numbers runner i don't i don't have any other way to think about that he he just came in there and, and said hey guys you don't know who you're dealing with i'm in charge i'm in charge mm-hmm. his dad certainly isn't in charge lloyd austin certainly isn't in charge it was Nobody it was, was complete arrogance day. it was complete so, arrogance by by hunter biden to, to show up yet refuse to to comply with the congressional subpoena and then he walked out uh david Nova, did you see a little of the hunter biden circus yesterday no, well, I spent I spent most of my time reading this Reason magazine and Wall Street Journal last night, so I, I saw a headline about it. So this is the second time now he's done. So what can you? So here's the deal. So so basically, Hunter Biden is refusing to comply with the congressional subpoena. Donald Trump Jr. What did he sit through? Forty hours of closed door testimony with Congress. 
40 hours of, of closed-door testimony. Hunter Biden is refusing to sit through. This is routine. This is how the process works. But Hunter Biden doesn't want to do it. Instead, he wants to put on a spectacle. He wants to put on a circus. So instead of complying with the subpoena, he shows up so that they don't charge him with uh, with obstruction, basically. He shows up. No, 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 I'm here. I'm here. And that, then he walks out. Was that the first? He did that the first time, too. Uh, but the first time he showed up on the Senate side of the hill, oh, so okay. the House Sergeant at Arms couldn't snatch and grab him and throw him in the hearing room. So, uh, yeah, hey, we'll talk more after this. Military matters. Just minutes before the Pentagon revealed Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's prostate cancer diagnosis and treatment on Tuesday, the Houthis launched their largest attack in the Red Sea to date. The Iran-backed proxy fighters launched one-way attack drones, cruise missiles, and even a ballistic missile at commercial ships. F-18s took off from the USS Eisenhower aircraft carrier to protect the private vessels, together with the guided missile destroyers USS Gravely, Mason, and Laboon, as well as the UK's HMS Diamond. The US and UK shot down 18 of the drones, one ballistic missile, and two cruise missiles. None of the ships targeted reported any damage or injuries. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who was in Bahrain on Wednesday, called out Iran. The support that they're providing to the Houthis, uh, including for these actions, needs to stop. It's not in their interest to see the conflict uh, escalated, and we're not the only ones who sent that message to Iran. 22 nations have joined Operation Prosperity Guardian to protect commercial ships in the Red Sea. For Military Matters, Liz Frieden, Fox News. This is where Montana talks at with Lane Nordland. This week, I'm in Austin, Texas, attending Potato Expo 2024. It's been great catching up with seed potato producers from Ronan, Amsterdam, and Manhattan, and from across the entire nation. Potato Expo is the largest conference and trade show for the potato industry, and has always been a place where growers, suppliers, and industry experts come together to connect, grow, and share ideas. Bob Matibi farms in the San Luis Valley of Colorado, and he serves as vice president of the National Potato Council, who hosts Potato Expo. Well, there's so many different exhibitors here bringing all kinds of new things to the industry available to, to growers and shippers, packers. So it's a great opportunity to come and see what's out there in the marketplace. It's a good opportunity to get together, learn from other growers, see what's going on, find out what's happening within their industry on a broad scale, not just around your own growing area. So it's it's a you know a great time to get everybody together and rekindle those relationships and just see what's out there. Aside from the impressive trade show, a lot of great speakers ranging from artificial intelligence and agriculture, finance, interest rates, international trade, you name it, they're covering it. I'm Lane North Blonde. This is where Montana talks. You're listening to Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Yeah, David and I were laughing during the break here. Man, it's like you had, uh, you know, the Mayorkas impeachment hearing. Attorney General Austin Knutson testifying at that hearing on Capitol Hill yesterday. You had the Hunter Biden circus going on. Last night, you get the Trump Town Hall on Fox News. Meanwhile, on some other network, uh, you had Nikki Haley and, and Ron DeSantis uh, having a debate. And then Crisco Christie as... Uh, <laughs> 
as what as our listener as Lucas and Broadview uh, called him drops out of the race, gets caught in a hot mic moment. Meanwhile, David, you're uh, reading Reason Magazine, a very interesting piece in Reason Magazine. So, yeah, I got I got the latest Reason Magazine. There's a whole bunch of little interesting tidbits in here. The, the main feature story is about these um, DEI statements that the universities are requiring professors uh, to make. So if you apply to be a professor at a university now, you have to set forth the diversity statement. And and what the prompt is is Please tell us what have you done in your career to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion, and what are your plans for the future to promote diversity, equity, and inclusion? And then they, they did sort of like some studies and some other sort of tests with this. And if you wrote about how you really, really love diversity of race, then you would get hired as the professor. If you wrote your statement about how you really appreciated diversity of thought, mm. you'd get rejected. Wow. I mean, it's that blatant. And then these, these professors, they've done polls of these professors – and it's like 70% of professors um, agree that we should be requiring all applicants to do DEI statements and we should not hire them if they don't support DEI. And So they're mandating basically 100% conformity. And, of course, that's going to destroy the, the academics of, of our country because academics and, and science and truth and stuff requires free and open debate. There's some really great quotes in here from some of the some earlier writers about free speech and how – Free speech and being able to speak up against the prevailing – that is critical to finding the truth, to developing science, to making progress in, in, in academics, and we're just not seeing that. Yeah, uh, yeah and these uh, college campuses are just becoming such woke jokes, so many of them. That's interesting, too, because – yeah. You know, if, and that's why diversity has become such a bad word, because when you and I think diversity, we think, yeah, OK, hey, diversity of thought, diversity and background. And, and that can and, and should include, you know, ethnic diversity, racial diversity or whatever. Uh, you know, like it could be, you know, uh, a black kid from the south side of Chicago and a country kid from Wolf Point, Montana. And you know what I'm saying? And but but what they think is, no, let's grab a bunch of uppity wealthy kids from the upper west side of manhattan new york different ethnicities different races but really they all think the same thing and they all grew up in a pretty privileged uh big city lifestyle so so and that's what they they largely do they check i mean look at claudine gay she, the harvard president she grew up very wealthy very privileged but they make it sound like, oh, look at what we're doing to help with upward mobility and diversity by h hiring the, you know, the, the plagiarist Claudine Gay. It's like she grew up in a wealthy background. Uh, but, but, oh, lecture us about privilege, why don't you? Right. The, the article mentions that socioeconomic factors actually do a better job of, of, of basically getting you to a diverse student body than race. And so it, it's interesting because the, these leftist professors and these leftist universities, they claim to want to have a diverse student body, but then they're not really getting it. And then you go to them and you say, hey, if you actually want a diverse student body, what you need to look at is the socioeconomic factors instead of just looking at people's race. There's two benefits to that. Number one, you no longer are defining people by their race and categorizing them by their race and then making decisions based on race. Number two, looking at socioeconomic factors actually does a better job of getting you to a diverse student body than race. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, I had some ponytail professor from the University of Montana about 20 years ago lecturing me about white privilege. And and I, I looked at him. I said, uh, I said, uh, professor, this is why I just like scoff at so many of these uppity white liberals at like UM and elsewhere. 
I said, you know, I, I, I thought about this white privilege concept, Professor. You know, when I was a student at Howard University before here at UM, I said, I said, you know, I was the only white kid in my dorm. And I'd get back at 1130 at night, midnight, even though I had class the next morning, even though I had to work the next morning, because I was waiting tables to pay for my own college. And, and, and you know, I thought about white privilege as I was the guy walking in at midnight after working all day and there were a bunch of other guys. And I'm not, I wasn't the only one working. I'm not suggesting that. But I said, I said, but there was a bunch of other guys in there playing Xbox, playing spades, smoking and joking, having a great time. And I, and I loved hanging out with these guys when I got home from work. But I'm like, man, white privilege, right? I'm walking in at midnight because I got to pay for college. Yeah, it sounds, right. sounds very privileged, doesn't it? Right. Meanwhile, I'm mowing lawns at 10 years old and then delivering papers at 12. And uh, one of the greatest lessons my father ever taught me was uh, – I'd been told to go mow the lawn, and I went out, and I was mowing the lawn, but I, I was doing it with a bad attitude. <laughs> and my dad came out, and he said, he said, not only are you going to mow the lawn, you're going to mow the lawn with a smile on your face and with alacrity. And I thought that was fantastic. It served me well my whole life. Now we're all Googling alacrity, how <laughs> to spell alacrity. But Can you like, use yeah. that in a sentence, please? Be, hap be happy about me telling you to mow That's the lawn. Awesome. But, but, you know, in that sense, you were privileged. I was privileged. Amen. It was a privilege to get a work ethic and, and to work my way through school. I was privileged in that regard. Sure. So I told the guy, you know, in a way, you're right. I was privileged to learn a work ethic. Fox News. I'm Chris Foster. Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have four days left to campaign in Iowa before the Republican caucuses there. It was just them on stage at last night's debate in Des Moines on CNN. Under her administration, you would have seniors getting a less cost of living adjustments while your tax dollars are going to pay the pensions of Ukrainian bureaucrats. That's not true. You talk about putting Americans lie, last. Man. That is wrong. You've supported all that money going over there. So let's put You're our so own desperate. people first. Former President Trump at a town hall on Fox as if he's reelected. We are going to have the largest deportation effort in the history of our country. Closing arguments are today at his business fraud civil trial in New York. Consumer inflation edged up last month at 3.4% annually. It was 3.1% the month before. Coach Bill Belichick is leaving the New England Patriots after 24 seasons and six Super Bowl titles. America's listening to Fox News. All right, I, I want to talk more. There's there's a very interesting piece in this Reason magazine that David Noble uh, was reading last night, uh, and I think it's great. Even in the midst of all this big news, here he is, uh, you know, doing the big picture stuff. But real quick, let's go back to the Hunter Biden circus because yeah, I missed it yesterday because I was focused on the Mayorkas impeachment hearing, and uh, you were reading these these uh, great uh, pieces, and you got a day job as a lawyer. But yeah, so so Hunter Biden refuses to comply with a congressional subpoena. Then he storms out of the committee hearing room as Marjorie Taylor Greene starts to talk. Gentlemen's time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Greene from Georgia for five minutes. He starts walking out about Thank you, now. Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Apparently you're afraid of my words. Whoa. Oh. I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. Uh, he goes, so Hunter Biden uh, storms out of the meeting because he's, he's afraid of a couple ladies. He's afraid of MTG. And then uh, Nancy Mace, uh, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, uh, she's out of one of the Carolinas. Okay, earmuffs, kid. There's, there's a, <laughs> if you got the kids in the car, you might want to tell them earmuffs, kids. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, uh, Chairman Comer. Um, first of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. 
Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege. Coming into the Oversight Committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed, what are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here and... Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Uh. <laughs> point of inquiry. Point of inquiry. So then this, this Democrat dude starts interrupting her to defend the crackhead, uh, uh, Hunter Biden. And she's like, do women not get allowed to speak here? Can women not speak here? But Oh, but Hunter Biden, you know, is he a woman? Well, the interesting thing about – so th there's this very common – actually, it's very common for people to, to really not like to get a subpoena. And, and that's normal. You, the sheriff – when the sheriff shows up at your front door and he hands you a subpoena and says you've been served with a subpoena, people don't like that. You know, people really don't like that. Understandably so, but they, they serve a very important role, um, and they're very powerful. And the reason that they're so powerful and they, they, the role that they play is to, to help us find the truth. And, and, and the subpoena power, whether it's coming from a lawyer in, in an ongoing civil litigation matter, whether it's coming from Congress, it can command you to produce documents or to show up at a specified time and answer questions. The reason that we give them the subpoena, that kind of power to force the, to force people to turn over their documents. And you can get a subpoena and you've got to turn over all your text messages. You've got to turn over your phone. You've got to turn over your private emails. People think, well, hold on, that's private. That's confidential. No, no, it's not. You have to turn it over. Um, but so. Who is Hunter to think he is that he just gets to ignore a subpoena? He's Joe Biden's son, and a Biden gets to do whatever the hell a Biden wants to do. That's Unreal. what the message Unreal. was yesterday, once right. again. Yeah, he's, he's turned it into a complete joke. That, that committee hearing turned into a complete joke, and I don't know, maybe that's his goal. I think, no, that that, that is the, the, the point, is that they want to distract, distract, distract. But he does not want to face questions in a closed-door hearing from both sides of, of Congress. That's clear. This is the Montana Economic Minute. There is no magic bullet to solve homelessness in American cities, but as better data on the homeless become available, there are some explanations for its prevalence that have more power than others. Many of these have been gathered and tested in a new book co-authored by researcher Greg Colburn. Some of the things that are frequently mentioned to explain homelessness don't hold up very well to scrutiny. Poverty, for example. Places with higher poverty rates actually have lower rates of homelessness. Drug use and mental illness, surprisingly, don't really predict which areas will have more homelessness either. Even warm weather provides only a little explanatory power. What does correlate with homelessness is the availability of housing. How is housing responded to population growth? In places where housing is not expanded, rents are higher, vacancy rates are lower, and homelessness is more pervasive. The West Coast of the United States has the highest homelessness rates in the country and the most restrictive housing markets as well. I'm Patrick Barkey. Brought to you by the University of Montana Bureau of Business and Economic Research. Bullet Points. I'm Evan Brown. California's on-again, off-again gun control law is back off again. The state wants to enact further restrictions as to where someone, even with a permit and legally possessing their firearms, can carry their firearms. It was their way of trying to fight back over the U.S. Supreme Court decision in the Bruin case, which did away with strict no-carry rules in New York State. California's law would have allowed authorities to prevent carrying on sidewalks, for instance. But Second Amendment activists sued in federal court, and the judge ruled it to be unconstitutional. But the U.S. Ninth Circuit stayed that ruling while they reviewed it and now officially agree it's against the Constitution. California Governor Gavin Newsom's office calls the ruling dangerous. It's not yet known if the state will ask the Supreme Court to get involved. And those are your bullet points. I'm Evan Brown, Fox News. Michelle.
Hey, I'll tell you what, if you missed it on Wednesday morning's show, we ended up playing this audio live. We featured the live testimony before Congress as Montana's Attorney General Austin Knudsen uh, was calling for the impeachment of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. If you missed his testimony, you can go back to our Montana Talks website, listen to the live audio that we carried. Plus, I'll get the video posted for you uh, there as well. MontanaTalks.com for that and more. This is where Montana talks. Montana talks with Aaron Flint. All right. One more soundbite we want to play for you here, uh, talking about the Hunter Biden circus on Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, if you missed uh, the impeachment hearing for Secretary Mayorkas at Homeland Security, Montana's Attorney General Austin Knutson testified there yesterday and just uh, gave some powerful testimony. We've got his full testimony on our Montana Talks website. If you missed it, we carried it live on the radio yesterday morning. Uh, so, yeah, that's on our website if you missed the show yesterday. But uh, one other thing, and then we'll get into some of these other big uh, news stories here. So this was uh, Peter Ducey, the Fox News White House correspondent, and he was uh, – uh, he was, you know, questioning Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, the White House uh, spokeswoman, about uh, Hunter Biden uh, refusing to comply with the congressional subpoena. Uh, let me cue it up for you here. I was still on another soundbite. All right, here we go. Hunter Biden on Capitol Hill today. How big of a headache is that for you? <laughs> Hunter Biden is a private citizen. He is not a member of the White House, as you know, and I just don't have anything else to share. But the last time he was on the Hill, he said the president was certainly familiar with what his son was going to say. I did say that. And, here, so and what I'm saying today, that President Biden does not you, help him with his business deals, but he does help him skirt congressional subpoenas? That is not even true. That That is a jump that is... That is incredibly disappointing. I will say to you, I am helping you out. I'm helping you out. Oh, anyway, yeah, what a back and forth there. You know, David, you're an attorney, and, uh, man, she did not know how to answer that question because he had her uh, on the ropes with that one. He he absolutely did. Well, the the question I have, too, is, like, of of course Joe Biden is helping Hunter Biden with this thing. The the two are tied together. But the other disturbing thing is we just got the uh the time records from this Fannie Willis special prosecutor where he was meeting with the White House counsel shortly before these indictments happened so it appears to be that Joe Biden is co- or the the White House whatever however you want to describe it, it appears to be coordinating these prosecutions of Trump not just within the federal system but at the state system as well you know the other another article i read on on wall street journal la- last night mentioned that one of the time entries from this special prosecutor who is Fannie Willis's lover yeah he billed 24 hours in one day 24 <laughs> hours of legal work which is a which is clearly fraud. I mean, you know, if you're cramming for a final exam and you're sitting at the Waffle House late at night trying to get everything done, I can see how you could pull an all-nighter. But that wasn't what was happening. The only all-nighters this guy was pulling was beach vacations with Fannie Willis after she gave six hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars in taxpayer funds to his law firm to prosecute Donald Trump. Yeah, you know what? You know what Fannie Willis is doing right now? 
She's under a court deadline to respond to that motion. And boy, is she stressed out. I She's got to be so stressed out. How do, how do you respond to that? I hope her fanny gets thrown in jail. <laughs> <laughs> we joked uh, the Mighty Human Z was calling in about uh, Fanny Willis the other day when John Jackson was here. So I, I told him I'm, I was so thankful that he was keeping his eye on Fanny for us. You know, he's uh, very good at that. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, in, in other news, you know, getting away from all the, the crazy, uh, you know, uh, Washington, D.C. stuff going on right now. You got this Reason magazine piece in front of you. Um, I mentioned there's a New York Times piece today, shameful piece in the New York Times attacking uh, city leaders and county leaders in Kalispell, Montana this morning, dealing with homelessness because, you know, they're saying, hey, this homelessness is getting out of hand. Uh, you know, I, mean, I mean, you had a gym manager get murdered by a transient in Kalispell, but the New York Times doesn't mention that. Um, but but speaking of homelessness, um, people here in Montana have heard of, you know, we all like to go camping, but we've also heard about glamping. And there's a lot of people that want a vacation in Montana, and so they will they will go glamping. These are the like you know in the Paradise Valley you, by Chico, you can rent these fancy glamping tents. Uh, the left wing APR, which is trying to kick the ranchers off the off the ranches in in central and eastern Montana, they have these fancy glamping camps that they give to their liberal donors that come out here to to fund them to kick the ranchers off the land. So, but apparently in where, where is this in California? They are providing glamping for homeless people. So yeah, this is this is one of the reasons I love Reason magazine, and I'm not I'm not some you know hardcore libertarian. This is pretty hardcore libertarian magazine. I oh, mean, it's good stuff. Yeah, they'll believe in they'll believe in legalizing all drugs, for example, that kind of libertarianism. And some libertarians don't like borders, so I'm yeah. we're definitely not one of those open borders libs. Yeah. Right, but but for eighty percent of it or ninety percent of it, I agree with it. And this this article is one of them. It's called LA's forty four thousand dollars tent. So LA officials were trying to set up a new homeless shelter where residents could have their own space. Um, however, uh, they were looking at doing a tiny home village, and instead they went with an easier-to-assemble uh, safe sleeping tent encampment uh, where a, it was a price of $44,000 per tent to get set up. Uh, Los Angeles East Hollywood encampment complete with showers, fences, staff facilities, cost $4 million to build, and then check this out. L.A. then contracted with a nonprofit uh, to to and for three million dollars to operate the site each year, with most of the operating expenses going towards twenty four seven staffing and catering. And then they've got so so forty four thousand dollars per tent, and then San Francisco has spent sixty one thousand dollars per tent. Portland, Oregon has spent thirty four thousand dollars per tent. San Diego has spent twenty eight thousand dollars per tent. And Reason Magazine ends their article by pointing out. Uh, the yearly cost of renting an average-priced apartment is cheaper than the per-tent cost <laughs> of these safe camping sites. I mean, it's just mind-boggling well, to think it, how incompetent and absurd that is. Well, well the, I think the last number I heard, wasn't the vacancy rate in San Francisco like up to like 40%, if I remember right? This was a couple years ago, but people are bailing on San Francisco. They're getting the heck out of there because of the crime and the transient problem and everything else. So there's a lot of real estate available. So yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're spending uh, a ton of money on these glamping tents for the homeless. They're catering it. 
I, I mean, I guess if I guess if you want to take the kids to Disneyland so they can go see the the transgender princesses, you know, you can go get a glamping tent for free from L.A. Just say that you're homeless and instead of you know pay for a hotel right. while you're down there. But you got it. You now you've got something else to add to the statement about hey. FYI, all you illegal aliens, free health care in California, free health care in California, also free glamping in California. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, we got to update that. Well, I, in fact, it was funny. I was joking about doing a public service announcement. And then, and then wouldn't you know it, the next day on the radio, I heard our producer, Travis, inserted that into the public service announcement rotation. So that was great. Uh, yeah, not only do you get free health care, but you get a free glamping tent, uh, fully catered and more. Uh, uh, I just, which reminds me when I, you know, I was talking about being a student at, at Howard University and, you know, I'd get off of work late at night and I'd be, you know, taking the subway or a taxi back to my dorm and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and so, so, you know, like the Chinese restaurant was the only place open at like midnight. And I, I was like, man, I'm hungry. I got to get some food. And, and this one homeless guy that you always see, or I don't know if he's homeless, but he's always asking for money. Uh, he, he said, hey, can I get some money? And I was like, hey, come on in, man. Let me buy you, buy you some dinner. I'm going to uh, grab some food. Or I think he came in and sat down. And, and so I gave him some food. And he's like, can I have some shrimp? I was like, all right, man, whatever. Yeah, have, have some shrimp. You know, whatever. I, you know, I was making good money as a waiter. It still, you know, barely covered the cost of college in Washington, D.C. But I was like, yeah, yeah, have some shrimp, man, whatever. But it's just, man, it's just, it's getting so out of control. But that's what they're doing. They're kicking school kids out of out of school in new york city to put illegal aliens in instead no i mean some of these things that you hear about like that, that these governments are doing is just truly so absurd you, you can't even you can't even really appreciate the, is this true is this really true yes it is true uh one of the main things they talked about in another article uh is about the uh the the bills to try to regulate ai that that are it's coming down the pike from the elizabeth warrens of the world the Liz, lindsey grams of the world oh yeah and what they've said what, what you've heard some of these people say is they want to do ai regulation in in a similar vein of of the icc which is the interstate commerce commission the interstate commerce commission and, and there's a whole history of, of the interstate commerce commission it started in the late 1800s to try to protect consumers with respect to railroad freight. And so the Interstate Commerce Commission was this federal government agency that was going to regulate rail rates to try to protect consumers. What ended up happening is the ICC actually ended up trying to attack the trucking industry and trying to, because it got regulatorily captured by the railroad industry. And then the ICC ended up not, not trying to protect consumers with respect to railroad rates, but actually um, trying to attack the trucking industry and prevent the trucking industry from coming coming on board, mm. and and so the, the ICC was eliminated in like ninety five or something. But it's like this stuff is really happening. Our government is this bad? Yeah, yeah. And the whole point of the interstate commerce clause is to make it easier to do business across state lines. But look at what the left and the Democrats always do. They try to use the interstate commerce clause to make it harder to do business across state lines, uh, and whether it's shut, shutting down Crow Coal from the Crow Reservation or whatever. Interesting that you mentioned this, this story about artificial intelligence and AI in this Reason Magazine piece, because yeah, I was just emailing back and forth with Dick Pence from the Big Sky Worldview Forum, and their next speaker uh, is going to focus on just this, uh, just that. He is a, a professor at Baylor University, and he's going to be talking about AI and transhumanism from a Christian worldview perspective. So it'll be very interesting. Fox News commentary. A new study reveals Karine Jean-Pierre refused to answer 98% of questions related to Biden scandals. I'm Tommy Laren. More next. 
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. We check in with Jimmy Fallon, bring in authors for The Book Club, and even treat some of your favorite Fox personalities to a very special happy hour. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Kennedy Saves the World. America's listening to Fox News. When it comes to press secretaries, Biden's Karine Jean-Pierre takes the cake for the best of the absolute worst. She is uniquely bad at her job, and when it comes to truth and transparency, well, she flunks out. Thanks to a new study done by the Media Research Center's Newsbusters, we know KJP refused to answer 98% of questions about Biden's scandals in 2023. To reach this number, MRC examined official White House transcripts of every briefing KJP conducted in 2023 and recorded every question and answer, or lack thereof, about Biden's many scandals, including his classified document mishandling, Biden family corruption, and that cocaine found in the West Wing. Of the 337 questions, KJP answered definitively to only eight of them. That means the administration that has promised to be truthful and transparent has been anything but. I'm Tommy Lahren, and you can watch my show. Tommy Lahren is fearless at Outkick.com. This is where Montana talks. Jumping right back into the business news, Evelyn Pyburn with the Big Sky Business Journal. Always a pleasure. Yellowstone County is so fortunate to have not just one of these refineries in the county, but three. And if you looked at tax revenues and and employment, who's employing uh, hundreds of people, thousands, it, it's our refineries and and. This uh, refinery is is a huge pillar to our economy. As far as the future goes, the um, gentleman from Canada who is looking at building a refinery in some place in western U.S., I guess, including one of the locations is in Wyoming that they're looking at. But he said that we're not going to abandon fossil fuels for Brought to you from the Montana Hot Spring Spas and Saunas Live Well, Feel Better Studio. Taking your calls live. 406-294-0970. This is Montana Talks with Aaron Flint. Hey, that's kind of a cool little... Isn't that a cool little background there? Yeah, that's Doja Cat. Is that's that do, what that, that is? That's Doja Cat. I was wondering what that. The How do you cat. know what Doja Cat is? Are you painting the town red? What the heck? Yeah, that's paint, <laughs> paint the town red. Yeah, Doja Cat. No, it's a great song. I don't really like... The words. Music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or yeah. pop music, that kind of pop music. But man, that one's got a pretty good melody. Yeah, that was a cool... So um, uh, Josh, our colleague Josh, you know, he's a very creative... He's on one of the music stations, and he's a very creative guy. And so, so he's like, hey, I, I want to put together some new... Uh, you know, voices and, you know, puts the rejoiners is what he calls them. And I'm going to put them together. And he's like, I'm like, man, have some fun with it. Because the other thing, uh, <laughs> we were joking about how I went to Howard University. Well, there's this uh, Jack Harlow song on the radio. Because I go to the gym a lot, you know, you hear all the, the newest music and everything. But I think he's going to he's going to have one where it's going to have the I'm vanilla baby is going to be one of the, <laughs> the, uh, the uh, you know, because this show is so vanilla. We never offend anybody. We never say anything that might get anybody's little feelings hurt. So, well, I'm vanilla baby. Right. right. <laughs> no, but thanks to Josh for, for putting those together. There's a couple of them I'm like, eh, I don't know about that one, but a lot of really cool ones. But, but that's just cool. Hey, man, 
have some creativity, have some fun with it, and yeah. uh, and yeah, you, you never know what works yeah. and what doesn't work. Remember, you know? remember how I don't know if you ever listened to Glenn Beck, but I, I remember Glenn Beck would have these extravagant intro pieces and these huge long uh, pieces, and he would change them all the time. Yeah. it was like yeah. completely. I was like, man, Glenn Beck, come on, man. Well, and he's got a big team to be able to do that too. You can do right. that when you got a national show, you know. But uh, most days, it's just Travis and me trying to, you know, keep the wheels on here. So, right. <laughs> and totally. Travis is working hard, and uh, you know, doing a job like this just never ends. The the prep never ends for it. Okay, uh, we got another caller on the phone lines here. But, but real quick, um, what was the other? Was there another Reason Magazine story you were going to share? I forgot what we were just talking about before the break. There. Oh, there was a whole bunch. No, the the AI one was oh, interesting. AI. That's right. Yeah, the yeah. AI one, and then oh, and so I I. I read through this uh this piece about uh what you were mentioning before and what i really liked about this is is he says is we what we got to be careful with ai is figuring out how ai fits into the creation story and making sure it doesn't take away from meaningful work and connection and that's my big concern about ai is we're going to have human beings you know end up in relationships with ai and and staring at their screens all the time and i i think that's terrible well and that's what he's going to be talking about is this this concept of transhumanism and you think about what the transgender agenda is doing right now is they're trying to destroy the concept of male and, and female they're trying to des destroy the concept of men and women and mother and father and and and, and and so the the question I think that that they're looking at is are they eventually going to destroy the, the entire notion that even being human even matters that totally. there's no there's no point to so. being human there's no, it doesn't matter and so is this transhuman is could that seep into this AI conversation so that that big sky worldview forum event that is coming up January 26th and 27th is going to be very interesting but uh, Dick Pence was telling me he went to a, a Republican luncheon the other day and State Senator Daniel Zolnikoff was the speaker and he spoke about AI and how he's going to craft some legislation legislation regarding AI for the Montana legislature. So that's going to be, we'll, we'll have to get him on to talk about that here one of these days as well. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what, what the legislation is designed to do. Yeah. Gary in Billings, did you have something quick you wanted to share? Yeah, Aaron and David, last they closed the schools in New York, uh, kicked, sent the kids home so the immigrants would have a place to go in a storm. And they wanted to make sure that they're around so they can vote. But the problem is that if they can't read or understand our laws, who will be the interpreter to guide those people to vote? Huh. Oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, because they, they, are, they are trying to push illegal aliens voting in New York City as well. David, your thought on that whole story? Well, I think it's, it's it's absolutely ridiculous that they're doing that. I, I can't imagine that that actually happening. I think I saw something on on X about how some of the local parents in New York were were really mad and and out there. It's like they just closed down your kid's school to to put illegal aliens in. I mean, that is totally unacceptable. Well, and I think you'll appreciate my question here. Secretary Mayorkas claims that some of these illegal aliens are climate refugees. Why are they fleeing such a nice climate to go freeze in the streets of New York City right now? I thought they were climate refugees. And, and isn't New York City supposed to be underwater by now because right. of the climate change debate? Right. So well, I'll just I'll just put this out there. Uh, global warming is not the problem in Venezuela. Venezuela's got some other problems that are not global warming. It's called socialism and communism. Yeah, that's right. That's right. They, they, they tend to like the climate down there, actually. And it used to be one of the wealthiest countries. It was like the jewel, the crown of South America until socialism crept in. And then again, that's what Joe Biden and John Tester are creeping in here. Are you